0: Of God this morning, good to see you. Thank you for being in the assembly, and thank the Lord for the beautiful morning that He gave us to assemble together in the house of God. Thank the Lord for the assembly. I'm glad to have a place to come and assemble together. Was mentioned some in the Sunday school hour this morning. If you've ever either not had a place to assemble, or looked for a place or being forcefully removed by not your own choice from a place, or being in a place where you were worried about what might go on at the place, then it's more precious to you to have a place where you're happy to be, and the presence of God's there, and there's peace and contentment among the brethren, and unity in the house of God, What a blessing to have a place. And uh, I know that the church is much more than a building. I understand all of that. Uh, The church is a body. And we know that there is one church and only one church. We also understand that there are collective assemblies as we are this morning. And we thank the Lord for the privilege to assemble together in this manner. And I thank the Lord for it. And I'm glad to see each one of you here. I'm been excited about coming to church and uh, what a joy it is to be excited about coming to church and I'm glad that I know what that feels like to be excited about coming to church. I am excited about and I'm not saying this uh, to sound good in myself because I'm not the most capable. It'll take the help of God for anybody to do anything especially for a man to preach but I'm excited about preaching this morning and to get to preach to you and to serve together. I'm excited about that. And I I don't know if excited's the right word, but it stirs in my heart to know that today's the Lord's day and we've come and met together in the assembly together to see what the Lord would have for us to have. And that the Lord has something for us. That makes me excited. It stirs my heart that the Lord cares enough about us to send us what we need in these days. And uh, the Lord's been dealing my heart over the last few weeks, I guess, and especially in this last week, about some things and about preaching, and about the great need of Bible preaching in this day with the touch of God. I understand that anybody can open the pages of the Bible and try to Preach as they would call it, but it must have the touch of God. But it must also be rightly divided. And we're ne- it's needful and necessary in our day. What's being pushed in our day, and really what the Lord is, said I'll get to my scripture in just a minute, but I really feel like I need to say this this morning. I think that we need to get back to the place in our churches where, and in preaching, or at least as the way the Lord's dealt with me, about how we're to live as the people of God. We need to hear about that. And the Bible is full of that. About how we're called to live as people who are saved by the grace of God. We live in a day where they want, <coughs> they want preaching and a so-called gospel that is relevant. And the word relevant just means applicable. When you've been to the doctor and they ask you questions and on those forms, some of the choices is NA or it's not applicable. And see, they want to cherry pick verses from the scripture and twist and bend them to make them applicable or relevant to our day. They want a relevant gospel. They wanted it in Galatians. Paul said it was not another gospel. He said, I marvel that you're so soon removed to another gospel which is not another. There is no other gospel. As a matter of fact, Paul said if any man, he said if an angel from heaven came down and preached any other gospel besides that that I've already preached to you, Paul said let him be accursed. Let him be cut off. Really the the interpretation or the meaning of that word is let him be damned. That's what Paul's saying. I, I mean Paul didn't take it lightly that there were those who would pervert the gospel. And it was mentioned this morning uh, about the preacher that Brother Tim and I know him, some of you know him as well. uh, And he's studying through the book of Jude and Jude's full of false teachers. And it's necessary needful in our day to expose what the Bible did and we're living in that day as well. And I think there's a great need to preach what the Bible says about how we're to live and how we're to conduct ourselves as the church, as the people of God. We're, we're, the Bible says that we're going to know how to behave ourselves in the church Which is the pillar and ground of the truth Now I know that, that that scripture, that specific verse Paul's writing Can be taken and preached about And I have in the past under the leadership of God About how we behave in the building But that's not the context The context is how we behave as a body that How we behave because we are the church and that now that we've been saved and put in the church, then we're to live like we are the church. Because we are. And people want a relevant gospel. And I'm not here this morning to preach about current events, but I do feel really stirred in my spirit to say this. And this big movement, it's always been, but it's been pushed further and further. And this movement you know about I don't know how many of you have seen it about He gets us talking about Christ didn't come to get us He came to get us out That's what he came for And the gospel's not to be There's nowhere in this book ever That where the gospel's relevant The gospel's a requirement It's not relevant it's a requirement It's not to be bent and twisted to fit our day. But the gospel stands alone. It doesn't need anything added, nothing taken away. It's to be it is a requirement to preach the gospel. And the gospel is what it's always been. And the gospel is all Christ. Plus nothing, minus nothing. It's all Him. It's not about our works. It's not about our deeds. It's not about who we are. Not about where we It's about Christ. That is the gospel and it's all Him. And if we have to add anything to it, the gospel does not need to be propped up. We have this misunderstanding that we have to defend. There's nowhere in this book, we're not defending the gospel. The gospel will defend itself. We declare the gospel. We proclaim the gospel. The gospel is not something we share, and I understand that that movement and that wording has taken over. And we don't share, we preach the gospel. We proclaim the gospel. The gospel has power in it. It was ordained that way. I'm glad that I know what I'm talking about this morning. We are, we are called, men are called of God to preach the gospel. And well, I'm not ashamed of it. That's what the verse back here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Now I'm glad I know that. And uh, the Lord's just been doing my heart about some things I need to preach. And so I want to try to be mindful of Him. And, and I'm excited about preaching because I know that we've been putting this thing together. And the Lord's going to help us. And I don't know if anybody else is stirred up in their spirit. Maybe you're not, but I am this morning. Not stirred up in a bad way. Stirred up in a good way. I understand that there is uh, uh, there's things going on that I get grieved in my heart about. And they're portraying Christ like somebody that came and he just accepts the sin and accepts the sinner. He receives sinners, but he doesn't condone their sin. Never ever has Christ ever if he ever if he ever receives you. He charges you to sin no more. Now, we live in the flesh and we're going to sin. I understand all of that, but we're not going to be what we used to be. Paul said, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, all them old things are gone, and all things have become new, and all those things are of God. We're saved by grace. Everybody wants, and I'm not knocking that. That's a wonderful set of verses to quote, but they stop short. We're not, we are saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, not of works lest any man should boast, but we are His workmanship. That means that when we're saved, He creates us again, creates us anew. He works in us and on us and through us. And we're now ordained unto good works, which He hath foreordained we should walk in them. That's the will of God for us. When we get saved, now we walk as He walks. what John said if we walk in the light as he's in the light that's the will of God for our life as a Christian people as a people of God is to walk as he walked I understand we won't be perfect but we should want to be there should be a desire in us to want to be more like him every day and this thing of salvation it's so misunderstood the Christian experience we have preached in our day and in days gone by that salvation is just an end result you get saved then you just sit on the pew come to church uh, check it off the list everything will be okay we'll get to heaven one day and that's all there is to it and the Christian experience has been diminished to nothing more than just some decision that somebody makes along the way that's never been the will of God Christian experience begins at salvation. That's the start. And it progresses from there. The Christian walk with God is a, we are saved as much saved, the day we get saved as will ever be. But there are things that go along. Paul wrote about things that accompany salvation. And there are progressive things. The Spirit of God progresses in it. We walk And we mature, and Paul writes about it all through his epistles, that we go on unto perfection. That's not sinner's perfection, that's maturity. He's wanting us to grow up in Christ. And so the Bible's necessary in preaching about Christian life and living is necessary for us to mature correctly. We need the right kind. You can't take a baby and give it everything it wants. That's where we are in our religious world today, is they want to give everything, the preachers, the churches, the the organizations want to give everybody everything they want. You can give a child everything it wants, but it will not mature correctly, and it won't grow right, and there'll be deficiencies. And we're living it, and I understand that there are a lot of people who are members of so-called churches that are unregenerate. They've never been saved. I understand that. That's a great problem we have in this day. But I also believe that there are a lot of people who are saved, and they've never been preached to, and the Word of God's never been rightly divided about where they go from here, about how we're to live our life. And so the Lord's been dealing my heart about that. And so, if you have the scripture this morning, I want to turn with me, the book of Ezekiel, chapter forty-seven. If you have a copy of the Word of God, I want to turn there, book of Ezekiel, chapter forty-seven. I didn't mean to say all is said, but it must have been needed to be said. Ezekiel chapter forty-seven. We'll begin reading in verse number one. Let's all stand if you found your place and able to out of reverence and honor to the reading of the Word of God. And I know in making the statement that I made about preaching about how we're to live and then calling Old Testament Scripture uh, might leave you wondering, but this is what's on my heart. Ezekiel 47 and verse number 1. Afterward, this is Ezekiel speaking here. Afterward, he brought me again unto the door of the house. And behold, waters issued out from under the threshold of the house eastward. For the forefront of the house stood toward the east, and the waters came down from under the right side of the house at the south side of the altar. Then brought he me out of the way of the gate northward, and led me about the way without unto the utter gate, by the way that looketh eastward. And behold, there ran out waters on the right side. When the man that had the line in his hand went forth eastward, he measured a thousand cubits, and he brought me through the waters. The waters were to the ankles. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through the waters, and the waters were to the the knees. Again, he measured a thousand and brought me through... The waters were to the loins. Afterward he measured a thousand, and it was a river that I could not pass over, for the waters were risen, waters to swim in, a river that could not be passed over. And he said unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen this? Then he brought me and cause me to return to the brink of the river. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. Now, the book of Ezekiel is not a book that is preached out of often. The book of Ezekiel is much in the Old Testament what the book of Revelation is in the New Testament. Ezekiel writes, I guess, one of the major things about Ezekiel he has found, or to open our understanding to the type of book that the book of Ezekiel is, would be to turn back to chapter 1 and verse 1. And the last part of that uh, verse says that I was among the captives. Uh, so Ezekiel's been taken into Babylonian captivity. And he dwelt by the river of Kebar. And he said, there the heavens were opened, and I saw the visions of God. And so the language that Ezekiel uses in chapter 1 and verse 1 is very much like the language that John uses in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1 where John said, and I was caught up in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And so Ezekiel is writing some visions that the Lord's given him about things that are to come. And there's a historical application. I Understand that we're in the Old Testament and so we must to rightly divide the Scripture, understand that there is a historical application of what Ezekiel's writing about, about the day that the glory of God would return again to the nation of Israel. That they are at this time under captivity. They are at this time In the hands of their enemies They are at this time Have been carried away But there would be a day That God would return And draw them back to their homeland and the glory and the power and the majesty of God who would once again be manifest among the people as it was in days gone by. And So that is uh, the historical context and application of the book of Ezekiel. But there are uh, spiritual things and there are uh, prophetical things that are applied here and that can be gleaned and, and gathered here and there are also practical uh, spiritual applications that can be made to our day and what God has for us today. And so that's what I want to try to do this morning, if God would be my helper. Here in chapter 47, Ezekiel has saw a lot of things, a lot of visions, has made record of them, but in chapter 47, he sees a vision of waters. And they're not just any water. If we went on and I didn't feel compelled to that they're directed to this morning but if we went on and read on down in the chapter we would see that these are not just any kind of water but they are living waters. They're waters with power. But they're waters that bring healing and life again to a damaged and dead area where they come in contact with. And the, the man of God here Ezekiel he gets, following this man that has the line in his hand and he's observing all of these things he has this experience and then he's brought back to the brink of the river and, and the Lord speaks to him many times in the scripture Ezekiel uses the words Jehovah and the word of Jehovah the word of the Lord that came into me and so that's the authority by which Ezekiel is speaking or preaching out of his day and so uh, the Lord begins to reveal to Ezekiel what these waters are and the power that they have. And how they would come. And when they came in contact with, uh, with water that could not be drank. Uh, that they would heal the waters, So when they came in contact with uh, vegetation or trees or lands that would not bear produce, or uh, that when the waters touched them that they would uh, become fruitful and multiply. And give a yield switch they had never given before. And so there are spiritual applications and lots of types that we could take and make this morning that I think would be right in the Word of God. We know and understand, if you just bear with me, I'll try to get where I'm going this morning, that we understand in the Scripture that the majority of the time that when we read about water in the Word of God, it almost always represents one of two things. It either represents the Scripture or it represents the Spirit of God. I think both of them are represented here. I think that the application about the Scripture, or uh, we'll put it in a New Testament term, uh, the Gospel could be represented here. For the Gospel has power. Uh, We already said it this morning. and, And it's been called for it to go forth. And it started at Jerusalem, and that's where they are. Uh, that's what the Word of God said. The Word of the Lord came to the apostles and He told them to tear Jerusalem till they be new with Patmon High. Then there will be witnesses both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so the gospel began there and the proclamation of the gospel began there and it begins to issue forth and runs as it goes with power and healing and life-giving source comes from the gospel. So I think no doubt that the Scriptures, the Gospel could be typified or typology or the allegory, the analogy of the Scriptures and the Gospel. But I think greater than that, that the salvation experience and the walk with the Spirit of God is the type that's greater represented in Ezekiel 47. And our salvation, if you look at this Scripture, now, Bear with me for just a minute. And let's look at the verses. I want to look at the Bible. See what the Bible says. Ezekiel, as he has shown this vision, he talks about these waters. But these waters had to have a beginning. They had to have a source. And their source was, Ezekiel said, he took me back to the house. And the house that is mentioned here, or is it talked about, is the Temple. He said, he took me to the temple. He took me to the house of God. And he said, out from under the house of God came these waters. Out from under the threshold of the entrance to the house of God, or if I could say it this way, of the entrance to the church, at the door of the church came the waters that Ezekiel saw. And Christ is the door. Christ is the entrance into the church. I'm not talking about a, a building on the side of the road. I'm not talking about that door that we all came through this morning. But I'm talking about the door. that Christ said in the of Job at chapter 10 that he was the door. If any man came in by him, he would be saved. But Christ is the only way to get in the church. The entrance into the body of Christ is by Christ and Christ alone. And so these waters are the gospel and their power is in Christ. He's what gives the gospel its power. And if our salvation has anything, if we are saved, it's because of Christ he's the reason that we are saved Amen. and so the, the headwaters the source, the origin of these waters was under the temple and it would be Christ coming out of the door of the temple that would be Christ but notice what the Bible said the waters are not surface water the waters that are mentioned here are not waters that the origin of now we can see the water but we can't see the source of the water We know where it's coming from. We know that it comes from Christ. That He's the door. That He's the entrance. That He's the source. But yet there's a mystery behind all this. Ezekiel said, I saw as the waters came up from underneath the house of God. And so they're hidden. These things, the source, the head of the water is hidden. It's a mystery. And I'm going to tell you this morning according to Scripture, it is a mystery. Salvation is a mystery. Christ is a mystery. Uh, the Bible said in the book of Colossians chapter 3 that we are hid with Christ in God it is a mystery Uh, the Bible spoke about and we could talk about a lot of things about how that we could go to the New Testament and see that these waters uh, represent being saved or being a part of the family of God Uh, Christ said if you drink of this water Uh, the woman at the well in John 4 he said you'll thirst again Uh, but if you drink of the water I give you you'll never thirst Uh, for the water I give you'll be a well of water in you are springing up into everlasting life. Christ said, I'll put myself inside you. My seed will be in you. And that's why it's a mystery. We don't understand how all it came about. But we know it took Christ. And Christ is the source. And the source of Christ is put in us. And it's not a trickle. It's not a drink. It's not a spring. But it's a well that springs up into everlasting life. He said again in John 10, If any man believe on me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. And so that's our salvation and we're saved, we get put in this stream. And I was in Alabama in camp meeting a few weeks ago and maybe some of you have heard it. The song I'm sure Brother Tim has and maybe some others but there's a couple that got up and sang, you can have the new rivers, I'll take the old stream. And that's right. I'm glad when you got saved, we were put in the stream. Someone wrote a song said we're floating down the stream of time. I understand that there is application there. We're in the world, we're not of the world uh, but I'm glad I'm not aimlessly floating uh, down some stream of time uh, but I'm glad I've been put in the stream. Uh, the writer of that other song uh, said I'll take the old stream uh, that flows from the mountain. A uh, sweet Calvary's fountain uh, that makes sinners clean. I uh, tried and tested it's been faithful never failing to redeem. You have the new rivers I'll take the old stream. I'm glad this morning I'm in the stream uh, that's falling from the mountain and its headwaters cannot be seen but they're hidden in Christ but I'm glad what we cannot see the Bible said 1 Corinthians chapter 2 eyes not seen and neither ear heard neither is even in the heart of man the things God's prepared for them that love him that's not talking about heaven it's been preached and mispreached I understand it might be applied I'm not judging any preacher but in context it's not heaven it's not the place prepared for us but it's the things of the spirit of God and for the next verse says but God hath revealed them unto us by spirit and for the spirit searcheth all things yea the deep things of God and so even though it's a mystery matter of fact Paul said that if those that crucified Christ had known the mysteries of Christ that are hid in God that they would not have crucified the Lord of glory But that mystery was not revealed unto them. Matter of fact, and this ought to do something to us it will stop and hear what the Word of God has to say the Old Testament saints had no idea about this mystery that they never fully understood the mystery all they knew is that there was one to come but you and I who are saved by the grace of God and put in the stream of Christ have been revealed this mystery has been revealed unto us we may not be able to put it into words and explain it all we may have never seen the origin of these eyes but by faith and by the spirit of God has been revealed unto us the deep things of God and so this fountain this origin the source of these waters that are coming out from under of the house of God out of the front door of the entrance uh, some writers believe and I I'm not going to discredit them or, or or I can't find it yay or nay uh, but I do know that Ezekiel speaks about the altar and so some say uh, that this was not just the entrance uh, to the outer gate of the tabernacle or temple uh, but this would have been the entrance to the holy place uh, where God resided uh, and I'm going to tell you there's only, that is so and I think maybe it is so uh, there's no way in but by blood uh, and it's not your blood or my blood, and it's not the blood of goats and calves, but it's by His own blood He already entered in, who once in the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us, sat down on the right hand of God. Expected till His enemies be made His footstool. And now He's making intercession for us, and it's by Him we have access, and we can come in the door and step in the stream, and now we can go down the stream as He leads us and guides us along so the origins of these waters are not seen but they are understood to be Christ and Christ alone now I want you to notice what Ezekiel says and I'm trying to get where I need to be there's so much in this this morning I hope it's making sense and helping you this morning I want you to notice what Ezekiel spoke about these waters every time he speaks about them they're running They're always moving. These are waters that never stop. They're never still. He never speaks about them pooling up somewhere or being dammed up or stopped up, but they're always running. In verse number four, in verse number one of chapter 47, he says, waters issued out. In verse number one again, he said, the waters came down. In verse number two, he said the waters, that ran out waters on the right side. And so all these waters are moving. They're constantly moving. And so moving water in your Bible is always a type of the Spirit of God. And we sang it this morning by no coincidence. I believe by the direction of God that he abides with us. That's how we know how to navigate. It's because He abides with us. The word abide means to take up a boat. It doesn't just mean He walks with us. Thank God He does. I can sing that and be stirred in my heart that He walks with me and talks with me and tells me that I am His own. I can be stirred up in that. But there's more to it than just that. He lives in me. Amen, brother. And so it's by that Spirit of God that we navigate these waters that we're in. See, when we get saved, we're put in this stream. And then there should be, it's the will of God, I believe, if I rightly divide this Scripture and make the correct spiritual application to us, there should be a progress. There should be a going forward. There should be greater experiences that are on down the line as we go through the stream with God. And so we have this Spirit living in us. And he runs constant. And I can't I feel like I can't get it out like it's in me this morning. If I read the scripture, the farther, the fuller. The farther Ezekiel goes, the fuller the waters get. Now I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. It doesn't mean that in the Spirit of God. Or the works of the Spirit of God, or the Gospel, that you want to make that application—that there's any more of Him to have tomorrow than there is today. That water's always there; it's just Ezekiel's position in the water changes. It's not that the waters are changing not preaching this morning that the gospel's changing or that the spirit of God's changing. Everything, every bit of the spirit, everything we can possess in Christ is available all the time. It's our position that must change with the water. The writer said how deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure. The deepness is still, he's not adding to the deepness. It's as deep as it's going to get. It's about how deep we are in the water. And so many things have, so many thoughts have, Run right in my mind and in my heart, and I, I know that it's not necessary, and I'm not trying to preach that it is necessary uh, that there's a title. A lot of people get so caught up in that, and sometimes it comes real easy, and other times it doesn't. But I thought about all that Ezekiel is experiencing, and then I thought about how he followed the waters, and how Paul said in Hebrews 6 1, let us go on to perfection, and, and how that there's power in the water, that it gives life. And, Not just life, but if you go and read the Scripture, it's abundant life that's given by the water. And to know that's the will of God, Brother Tim. Text me last night, and the Lord just works all this out. And if you doubt it, I'm sorry, you just have to doubt it. But he just, he texted me last night, and he said, Have you uh, listened to uh, uh, the service that Brother Bright and them had a service yesterday at 5? And I said, No, I've been busy, I've not been able to, but I flipped over there while I was at Nana's and began to listen to it a little bit. And this is what he preached about John chapter 10. And he talked about how the Lord said that he came to give life, that's salvation. He didn't say, I come to give life abundantly. He said, I came that my sheep might have life, salvation, and that they might have it, that is life, more abundantly. So there's life that we receive in salvation, but then there's abundant life that we obtain or receive, not, not that we obtain it by our works, but that we are brought into contact with. That's what happened to these, uh, these trees and these lands and these waters. They didn't go where the water was. They couldn't go. The water came where they was. And when they came in contact with them, it gave them abundant life. Jesus didn't come just to give us life. Thank God for that. But He came to give us abundant life. I'm not preaching about the health, wealth, and prosperity crowd. Abundant life has nothing to do with what you possess in this world. Yeah, nothing. Zero. You mark it down, cut it out of your vocabulary. It has nothing to do. The Bible said a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Yeah. We live in a day where, and that's why it's been on me and stirring in me, and the Lord said to me, "How to preach this this morning. We live in a day where prosperity is linked to godliness. Godliness has nothing to do with prosperity. Nothing whatsoever. Now I understand we can look in the scriptures and know that God will supply all our need. That's a promise according to His riches and glory. If we really understood that verse in its context, we could take time and shout a while. It means that as long as He has riches, our needs will be taken care of and His riches are inexhaustible and so therefore there will never be a need that He can take care of for us. David said, I've been young now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor received begging bread. I understand that God will take care of us. But His care for us hinges not on our godliness or our righteousness. The sign of godliness is not possessions. The sign of godliness is not money in the bank. It's not new cars and big houses. Matter of fact, I know more people Who are more godly and don't have all those things than I do people that are godly and have those things. Now, does that mean that we cannot be godly and have nice houses? Nowhere in the scripture I can see that. But we cannot be godly and have them in wrong places. But we live in a day to day where they want to preach godliness linked to our sufficiency or how much we have. Paul said we're not sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves for our sufficiency is of God. God will take care of us. That's all through the Bible. He will take care of us. But prosperity, material possessions are not a sign of godliness. But matter of fact, Paul said godliness with contentment is great gain. He said I brought nothing in this world. It's certain I'll carry nothing out. He said I've learned both how to abound and how to be abased. How to have want, how to suffer need, and how to have all things. He said, it doesn't matter where I'm at, I can be content. Because his relationship with Christ does not consist or fluctuate with all the things that Paul did or did not have in this life. It has nothing to do with our godliness. Nothing to do with godliness. But here in the Scripture, if I read this right, the abundant life The abundant life that Christ spoke about is when there is less of you and more of Him. The less of you and the more of Him, the more abundant your life is. The less of your wants, your will, your flesh, your desires, and the more of His wants, His will, His desire, His Spirit, thats the more abundant your life is. Godliness is measured in spirituality, not in material possessions. And you and I, I want you to hear me, the line, the measuring stick, was never put in Ezekiel's hand. It was not his business to take the measurement. God did the measuring. Ezekiel just followed. It's not my job. Now understand, I don't even I thank God. I don't even feel like I need to run a rabbit here. But I do understand that pastors are given authority. I understand about those kinds of things. But it's not my job nor your job to measure each other's godliness. Not my job. You are measured your godliness by God and I'm measured mine by the same God. It's up to Him. The lion's in His hand. Where we have misstepped and missed the mark is churches and preachers and church members and organizations have measured themselves against others and marked themselves as godly when the measuring stick is never in our hand to begin with. It's in His hand. But I want you to notice, and I'll give you this real fast. I said all that to get where I need to be. You can have as much of God as you want. And we've heard that all our life until we've almost quit believing it. But I'm here to tell you this morning, God didn't create the waters as Ezekiel went. The waters were already there. He just let Ezekiel go to where the waters were. God's not creating tomorrow for you to be more spiritual. It's already available for you if you'll move to the waters. Here's how the Lord put it on my heart and I'm done. I'm going to preach on these four places. Ezekiel said, I stood there and there stands a man with a line in his hand. And he measures a thousand cubits. And apparently, if I read my Bible right, and I think I'm understanding it correctly, apparently, as the man measures the waters, Ezekiel goes in. Ezekiel's not... The man's not measuring the waters. He's measuring the distance in the water. Does that make sense? He's not measuring the depth of the water. He's measuring how far down the waters that Ezekiel's going. And so he measures a thousand cubits and I'm sure there's probably some great significance in that the Lord didn't direct my heart to that. I just want to preach about the water. He measures a thousand cubits and apparently Ezekiel wades on in. And he said, the waters were to my ankles. Waters were to my ankles. I'm just going to preach exactly how the Lord but I think there are four groups of people represented in this Scripture. All of them are saved. There is no denying. I want you to hear me this morning. There's no denying that Ezekiel was in the water at his ankles and was in the water too when he could swim. All of the people, all the times... They're all in the water. But it's just at what level are they in the water? There's a lot of, I said already and didn't finish my statement. It's coming back to me now. So many things run through my mind. I thought about preaching. I remember an old group used to sing a song, Step into the water. Wade out a little bit deeper. And so that came to my mind. Then I thought about preaching on how deep are you in the water. Then I thought about, and I'm not being funny this morning, I mean, it just really come to my heart. I thought about that old saying in movies and cartoons, Come on in, boys. The water's fine. That come to my heart. Then I thought about preaching on getting in over your head. And the Lord wouldn't settle me on any of them. He said, Just tell them all. So I don't know how you need to hear it this morning. I don't know if you need to hear me say, Come on in. The water's fine. I don't know if you need to be asked or you in over your head. I don't know if you need for me to say step in the water and let's go a little bit deeper. I don't know what you need to hear. The Lord can determine all of that. I just need to preach to you about the water. And Ezekiel measures or the man measures a thousand cubits and Ezekiel said in that span of a thousand cubits he said I got in the water up to my ankles. God said to preach put it on my heart to preach. Them's the splasher's. Now they're in the water. They are in the water. And there's relief in the water. I mean, I just got finished preaching that when we get saved, we're a new creature. We're in the water. When you go somewhere and it's hot, there's relief. Just get your feet in the water. And some people are satisfied just getting their feet in. I'm going to tell you why many people want to just get their feet in is because they're close to the land. Now I'm not talking about getting unsaved, but what I'm I'm preaching, this we've already passed the benchmark of salvation. Everything I'm preaching from now on is to save people only. So I don't need to clarify. We're not preaching about losing your salvation, getting out of being saved, but I'm talking about walking in a fuller, more abundant life, being led by the Spirit of God and to the ankles is sufficient for most people. They just want to splash around a little bit. See, they can splash around on Sunday, be dried off by Monday. Yeah. Or, and I, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but this is what the Lord said for me to preach this morning. We went to the Gulf in December. The Lord allowed us to go there and spend some time together as a family. And I thought about, I got, I, when I go to the ocean, I want to get in. I mean, that's just how I was just natured that way. And my wife don't want to get in, and she don't. And I'm not embarrassing her. I'm just preaching what's on my heart. She don't want you to splash her and mess up her makeup and her hair. And I'm not. I don't mean that bad. I'm not criticizing her. I'm trying to make a spiritual application. People don't want to get no deeper because they're afraid it might mess things up. It might mess up their plans. It might mess up their goals. It might mess up their dreams or their aspirations. They might not be liked as much at work. They might not be asked to do things in the community. If they get too far in the water with God. And so they're satisfied just being a splasher. Now they're in the water. They are in the water. No denying it. If if your foot's in the water, you're in the water and I'm not preaching mean to you, there may be some folks this morning who have not been saved very long, who have never been preached to in this manner, and you just need to be preached to that there's more to it than just splashing around a little bit. There's more to it. And 99%, maybe more, of the people who are truly saved spend all their Christian experience splashing around in the water. We come to church... I'm not saying that God don't love you and God's not working in your life and you're not experiencing the. You're His child. You're saved. That's already a given. But many people, they just wade in on Sunday, you know. And it feels good. And they can dry off and regain their composure and look on Monday like they never even got in the water on Sunday. See, I think we can take New Testament application here Jesus walks down to the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Gennesaret, and there's a boat there. <coughs> and it belongs to Peter. And Jesus gets in the boat with Peter, which is a type of salvation. And He says, thrust out a little from the land. That was step one. Now I'm not preaching hard at you this morning. I know a lot of preachers who, and I'm not preaching at them either, but there's a lot of preachers who expect people to go run and jump off the diving board two hours after they get saved. And it don't work that way. The Lord started first with thrust out a little from the land. Step one. The man measured a thousand cubits. He didn't take Ezekiel to his waist first. It took him to the ankles. And he said, now that you've experienced the water a little, it's time to go a little farther. See, it's not a sin to be to your ankles. The problem's not being in the water to your ankles. The problem is not wanting to go any farther. That's the problem of our day. And the man measures again another thousand cubits. And Ezekiel said, I walked a little farther. And he said, now I'm not no longer to my ankles. He said, now I'm up to my knees. And I just I ask the Lord to help me, and I it come to my heart. Those are the samplers. They want a taste of what it's like. now. They're they're farther down, and a lot of people. And I'm not. I, you hear me this morning. A lot of people glory in the. If we're not careful, we'll get to the knee part, and we'll glory so much that we're better than the ankle people. When the reality is, there's waters to swim in, and we're just up to our knees. See, we're a sampler. we got more than the ankle people. We don't have as much as is available. But we can, we can get up to our knees. And, and we feel pretty good there. And what few people make it from the ankles to the knees have a really hard time bypassing the knees and going forward. And so the man measures again. A thousand cubits. And Ezekiel said, I walked on in. And he says, water's to my loins, to my waist. And the Lord said to preach that them's the strugglers. This is what the Lord spoke to my heart. We get to that place, thank God if you do. But that's where the struggle begins because there's half of you in and half of you out. And that's where the battle really begins. Are we going to go farther with God? Most people, Most people that get there end up backing up to the knees rather than going on to swim. Right. There's such a struggle. It, it begins to be, see the react. What I want you to understand, and Brother Tonkin said this so many weeks ago in camp meeting and now, it's all just tied back together in my heart and I thank God for it. What I want you to know is the farther Ezekiel went, the less of Ezekiel you saw. And that's what our flesh has a problem with. We get out there to our waist and we realize there's as much of us not being seen as there is being seen. And our flesh really begins to struggle against that. Our flesh can tolerate at times. Our flesh really don't have much trouble being to our ankles. Our flesh can even tolerate our knees because there's way more of it seen than there is not. But when we go to getting way up in here, the flesh starts wanting to put the brakes on. And say, hang on a minute, because I'm going to tell you, and I understand that we're not talking about an ocean, we're talking about a river, but it is moving water. You get out about right here in the ocean, and when the waves come, there's some of them that will take you under. You start losing control. And that's why it's such a struggle, because the flesh don't want to lose control. And I'm amazed at how the Lord can use things in my own life that I never, ever thought would ever be used for preaching. But I was getting ready for church this morning, and as real, and it don't, I don't mean this when I make this statement, I don't mean it mean or arrogant, but it don't matter whether you believe it or not. As real as you speaking to me, the Lord spoke to me while I was getting ready this morning, and took me back yonder down there, when we was on that beach on the coast there. And it was, it was a one of the prettier days we had, and we was playing in the water. I'm gonna tell you what the Lord said for me to tell you this morning, better be careful. Playing in the water. I was playing in the water and I had my next to youngest, I had Loretta, and we were playing. And we were running down the shore and out in the water, and I thought I'll run down through there and I'll grab her and spin around up in the air. I mean I had I mean I had great intentions. It didn't go like I thought. And when I grabbed her, I knocked her, and the water went over her head. I'm going to tell you what she did. And this may not do anything for any of you, but boy, it it convicted my heart this morning. What happened when she had that bad experience that was my fault, she got out of the water. It took a long time for me to talk her into getting back in the water. And I'm going to tell you this morning, we better be careful playing around in the water we got a lot of young people, a lot of young kids, a lot of young families, a lot of young Christians. We better be careful playing around in the water. Give somebody a bad taste and want to make them want to get God help us, not to make anybody want to get out of the water. And I understand. I do understand, but I also understand what the Lord put in my heart this morning. I understand that it's up to us. But I also understand that my least little girl, she wanted to go a little deeper in the water. She was afraid. And she said, Daddy, if you'll hold my hand, we can go a little deeper. I'm going to, I understand that first and foremost of all, it's hand in hand with him. I understand that. But the Lord's give us great responsibilities. It doesn't matter your age. It's not, most often in the Scripture, when an elder is referenced, it's not their age, it's their experience. It's how far down the road with God they've been. And they might be some young Christians in our assembly that want to hold somebody's hand and say, I want to go. They really genuinely want to go but there's something in that. The flesh fights and there's a struggle and there's a resistance. God, help me to hold somebody's hand and not put a bad taste in their mouth and be able to show them what it's like out yonder in the water. See what it was is we had spent the first two or three days and she didn't want to get far in and she got to notice and I'd go farther and farther and nothing bad happened to me and so as she saw that nothing bad happened to me and it looked like something she wanted to do so then she wanted to do it and that's the way we ought to if we've had a bad day we may have bad days but God help us not to put a bad taste in people's mouth not to come in the house of God poor mouth God and the things of God and the people of God and the preacher and we ought to show them it's good the water's good and we ought to tell them to come Come on in, How deeper than they are. And Ezekiel said they measured again. A thousand cubits. He said this time, I want to. I was reading this scripture, and I don't. Have you ever read the Word of God and had the words come off the page? And if you write in your Bible, underline in your Bible, highlight in your Bible, I want to give you the key. What the Lord spoke to me, I'll give you the key the whole story in verse number 5. He said, afterward, he measured a thousand. So this is the last time that this man with the lines going to measure. And he said, and it was a river that, and here's the three words I want you to underline if you underline, I could not. It's the key to the whole story. The whole thing I'm preaching this morning Ezekiel said at that point I could not pass over it. What Ezekiel meant by that I believe is he said my feet Could not touch the bottom. I could no longer support myself. I could no longer do it for myself. There was nothing of me. He said, I just had to swim in it. I'm telling you, it's gonna have to come to place if you're gonna be filled with the power of God, if you're gonna live in the abundant life, if you're gonna have what God wants you to have, you're gonna have to come to place that you resign, raise up the white flag, and say, I cannot. And when you get to that place you'll be where Ezekiel was and you'll be a swimmer you'll be a swimmer can I tell you this morning and these are just things that are coming to my heart Right, and thought about this and the Lord just speaking to my heart the Lord don't give no swimming lessons cause he don't want you to learn how to do it you know why we give kids swimming lessons is so we expect them to be able to do it without us one day The Lord don't give any swimming lessons. He never expects you to be able to do it without Him because you can't. But I'm going to tell you something. A lot of people are giving swimming lessons and I took them growing up as a kid. I loved to swim. I was like a fish in the water. And I remember one time I didn't know very much and none of the rest of the class did and the instructor said, come on down here to the deep end of the pool and jump in. And there's such a fear in me because I wasn't sure. I mean 10 foot... I don't know how tall I was at the time. I'm not even six foot now. I can't stand up in ten foot water and my head be above the water. You say, what were they doing? They was taking it all out of us. I'm going to tell you, the Lord don't give no swimming lessons. But He'll take you in the deep end. And He will never let you go under. I want you to hear me this morning. Hear what i got to say. The Lord will take you the deep end if you won't go. But He'll never let you go under. He'll never let you drown. There won't be any, even any inclination of drowning. I know what your flesh is saying. Your flesh is saying in the spiritual, what mine was saying in the physical all them years ago, if you jump in, you're going to drown. If you jump in, you can't do it. If you jump in, you can't get yourself out. If you jump, and that's right. What your spirit's saying is right. You can't do it. You can't get yourself out. But he don't expect you to do it. You're not doing it on your own. He'll not let you go under. But I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know if he's measured your first thousand. I'm not critiquing or being critical about anybody being where you are this morning. Thank God you're in the water. But it may be this morning that the Lord's come by our little place on the side of the road. And for some of you that's at the ankles, He's measured another thousand. And He said, Won't you come on on? Come on in. Maybe some of you here this morning are up to your knees and He's measured you. You can't go any farther. I want to clarify this. You can't go any farther until He measures it out for you. Ezekiel didn't say, I want to bypass the knees. I want to bypass the Lord. Just take me to the deep end. It didn't work that way. The Lord had to measure it out. And Ezekiel didn't say, Okay, Lord, long enough here, measure it. Nope. The Lord just, He just decided when it was time. And so I want you to know this morning, and there's a lot of people that preached what I'm preaching. They preached it in the wrong attitude and the wrong spirit and tried to beat people on down. You can't do that. It's not my business. I'm not here this morning trying to push you down the river. You'll do more damage doing that than leaving them alone. If God can't get you down the river, I can't. But it may be this morning that you've been up to your ankles. And you mean not, I'm not preaching this morning that anybody means any harm by being there. Thank God you're in the water, but the Lord's pulled the line this morning. And He said, Been at the ankles long enough, son, daughter. It's time to walk a little farther. Maybe you're to your knees and He's pulled your line this morning and said, Long enough at the knees, time to go a little farther. Maybe you're to the loins this morning and that struggle, that inward conflict is going on and the Lord's pulled the line. Now I'm going to tell you the only way, the only way to overcome the conflict is to go deeper. It's the only way. You'll never assure yourself enough. You'll never reassure the flesh enough. You'll never fix it enough in your mind. The only way to overcome the struggle is when the Lord measures the line. Go deeper. Just go deeper. You can stand where you are regardless of where you are. Ankles, knees, waist, wherever you are. You can stand there and reason all you want to. The only way to fix it is to go deeper. If the Lord pulls the line, it's time to go deeper. While we stand all over the house, I'm done.